session. Podcast artists. The production of this podcast was made possible by the kind support of the Dorotheum. Welcome to another episode of Secession Podcast. My name is Christian Lübert. I'm a curator at the Secession. And I'm sitting here with Francesco Finizio, one of the artists of the exhibition Slime, and the curator of the exhibition, Joshua Simon. I'm very happy to be here on the third day, actually, of the kickoff events for this exhibition that also continues online until the 30th of June. I would like to start with a simple question about slime and the concept of slime to the curator Joshua and hear a little bit more about what all of this slime is actually about. All right. Thank you very much, Christian. Hi, Francesco. The exhibition Slime is this hybrid project, like you mentioned. It's on site at Secession, They're taking place right now. This is the third day mid-February 2024, and then until the end of June, it's running also online on a designated website, slime.secession.at. The idea of Slime comes exactly from this hybridity, how we are, the ways in which we are available online and, and offline in a way that those terms that we used to use in the past, like the virtual or in real life, maybe no longer really work and we have to think of how they're actually meshed together into this a hybrid reality that on the level of at least division of labor makes us available all the time on two different levels so at least two different levels like multiple levels actually so there is actually three elements to this exhibition there is the on-site setting, which is everything that is in space throughout three days, of which we are in the final one today, from Friday to Sunday. And then there is an on-site program, which is all of the events that happen throughout these three days. And last but not least, there is the online program. Can you say a few more words about these different stations, maybe you could say, and maybe the difference also of on-site and online and how this is maybe connected through the word of hybridity. Sure. So for the online program, we have a selection of over 20 videos. Some of them are artworks uh, by artists, uh, existing works, and some are the documentation of what's going on in the house at Secession during this weekend. And we also have a specific channel dedicated to like a kind of a segments on a public television that you have poetry readings done by Liv Schulman. And Liv was very much involved with the whole um, conceptualizing of this slime channel setting for the website, for the online version of the exhibition. And then the program itself in the house, of course, relies very much on the setting, which is basically an exhibition, but it involves talks and performances. So talks by Anna Teixeira Pinto and Noam Yuan, and a performance by Liv Schulman, and also a presentation of uh, one of the installations in the space by Ulrich Forman, uh, together with uh, Yul Ko, who's an academic who worked with him, expert on conspiracy theories, and he made this beautiful vitrage uh, Planetarium mapping uh, telegram conspiracy groups in the German telegram sphere. And then we had 
also sculptures made in the form of cake by Sofia Stolze, a cake artist from Vienna, who made her version, basically replicas of Franz West sculptures from 1997, called Telefonat, a phone call. And Steffi Stankovic, a local stand-up performer and uh, activist, uh, gave a, a beautiful performance where she was cutting the cake and giving it to the guests who were coming to the house. And that evening also involved a costume competition who looks best as Mikhail Gorbachev and the person who won got the first slice of cake. And we also had a Zumba session with the magnificent Robert Bischbauer, who really taught us how to move. And that then kicked off a playlist from TikTok, all songs having a choreography on TikTok. So really like a eclectic, some things are like a, a throwbacks, like, um, you know, nostalgic tunes, and some are very contemporary, but they all have in common the fact that on TikTok they have some kind of choreography. So that program was taking place in the last few days. We also have a tour of the exhibition today with Francesco and me, and my daughter Margot Simon-Levy is running this morning a slime workshop for kids with the educational team of Secession. She's a slime master, and so uh, they're going to be doing that. So that's about the kind of the, the, the program that was going on in the house, but it all relies on the exhibition. And the exhibition for me, and this, I would like to involve you, Francesco, in this, speaking about this, I think that the fact that Francesco is able to create such inventive and at the same time, I mean, you know, as much as I think of Francesco's work and I always think of his work and think of how to work together, as much as I think of it as being inventive, never been thought before, kind of doing things in ways that, you know, he, he would pick up something and would use it in such an original way. At the same time, the way he creates a setting, you can orient yourself immediately, like the space tells you what it wants you to do and how to do it. And I think without this, all this kind of eclectic program could not have had any meaning, doesn't matter, you know, my, my ideas, you know, using theory, using whatever. The fact that he's able to create such a, um, I would say, stable on the level of, of orientation setting that the, the body knows what the work wants, <laughs> but then the mind is kind of, it's playing tricks on the mind somehow because it looks like a mirror, but it's actually the inside of a, a I don't know, a, a bag of chips, you know? Yes. So those kind of things are really, it's a, there's a play going on in his work, but basically we could not have had all this eclectic program without him like being such a master in uh, making these installations. So maybe Francesco, maybe you want to say a few words about like describe the, the actual installation at the center and also, the title? Sure. Yeah, so the installation, uh, the physical installation, which closes this evening, actually, was the result of also a long conversation with you, Joshua, but then also with Christian and the others at Secession in order to allow things to flow as smoothly as possible, which is important for, as regards my practice, because there's a lot of improvisation. There's a time, so there's a, a time leading up to the installation, which requires planning. And then once the work is installed, things have to happen. 
I thought when I saw the space of secession and the main exhibition hall, which I'd only known from images, pictures, art history courses, obviously it's such heavy, I mean, there's so much baggage attached to this space. It's a such a paradigm. So in a way, the first question that I asked myself was, okay, how to deal with this space and at the same time kind of forget it because that's the only way to kind of escape all that baggage. And um, it seemed interesting, like the way of doing that was to take the grid and as the kind of cornerstone of modernity as it's expressed through the secession architecture and then just telescope that into the grid as we understand it today through logistics, global shipping, which is my idea of slime, not in that it generates a lot of garbage. Uh, so physically, that amounted to kind of playing with the secession space in such a way that when you enter the main hall, you see around you several things. You see the uh, cloakroom, you see the ticket counter, and then you see the gift shop. And then there's the door, the triple door that leads into the exhibition hall. And it seemed to me that it would be interesting to kind of create a transitional space which would appear as a kind of second gift shop. In this case, what it became specifically was a bookstore coffee house. And it became that because my way of working, I operate like a ghost in the sense that I try to bring as little as possible and work with what I find on location. So with the help of Christian and the secession team, we located books, furniture that is either in a dormant state or has a whatever variable status. And uh, we just moved all of that as ghosts do. They move things, right? They don't make things, but they have that power to kind of get things shaking and moving about. So we moved that into the first, into the space immediately after you enter. And uh, then we, while gathering things, we also found these Helmut Zobernig posters from 1995, I believe, which are gold monochromes. And uh, I realized at that point that they could be used to make a backdrop, which rendered this kind of coffeehouse bookshop even more convincing to the point that even I myself yesterday was confused when I stepped out and stepped back in. I didn't, wasn't really sure I was in the right place. Anyway, then once you get into the space, so you enter this bookshop, and just before entering, there's a little sign, which is one of these, refers to these parcel drops, pickup points that we've all become familiar with uh, through, uh, you know, where you buy things online and then you have to go and pick up your package or you've just sold something you don't wear anymore. So uh, this bookshop also doubles. Its economy is double in the sense that it has become one of these parcel points, pickup points, which seems totally ridiculous in the context of secession, given its historical status. But the world 
being so precarious, who knows, you know? So that's the first space you enter. And then you move either left or right. You move past the tables, past the books, and past this gold backdrop, and you see a space which looks like it could be an Amazon warehouse with zones that are partitioned by large cardboard sheets. It could be an Amazon warehouse, but the sheets have been moved, creating a kind of maze. And as you walk through this maze, you discover spaces which are inhabited to different degrees where things, it seems like there are operations taking place. Things are being sorted out. So you'll find books from the bookshop you first entered will appear in one of these uh, zones as a shredded paper. It looks like someone is sorting out things by color or you walk past uh, something that kind of signifies private property because a dog starts barking at you from inside a box somewhere. An electronic voice tells you to watch out for the slippery floor. Yeah, there's a... There are a seating area in a way, no? That you can sit on boxes. Oh, yeah. Like the workers made yeah, themselves a Exactly. Corner. There's kind of this uh, workers' corner where, uh, yeah, there's whatever, things that kind of indicate presence of a group of people who might, yeah, evolve in this space. Yeah. And a, a board game, a mirror, and a um, comb, super greasy. Yeah, they're very <laughs> uh, kind of cryptic. Uh, another recurring element is things which, just very simple, basic things which elude or echo the grid. So the tape holding the posters that make up the monochrome backdrop provide the main grid. But then you see a box with a lot of tape which has been unfolded, flattened out, and has become a kind of board game or a map on which uh, stones are moved about. And on these stones, there are like very rudimentary uh, faces. So it's at the same time a board game. It's also a map. It's neither of those. And that's always what I'm trying to develop in the work is to find that meeting point between different things we feel very familiar with and then just project them into each other so that they become open. I thought one of the really, really fascinating parts actually of the whole preparation of this project was watching how you worked on this installation and the many changes that also took place. I even felt it was nearly part of the work. I wanted to <laughs> reveal some of it. And the many stations that you just described changed uh, in, in, in many ways as well. There has been uh, quite a process of involving the archive and the storage items of secession. And it would be, yeah, I would like to hear a bit more about that, actually. And I know that's also part of your practice, but it was for me, as I've seen it the first time live on site, it was really fascinating and great to watch. Well, I'm glad to hear you found it fascinating and uh, not terrifying or uh, frustrating. Um, yeah, it's part of the process. In a way, I would liken it to tailoring a suit to a client. So, you know, you start... And in my case, it's really about down-building everything. So things start, there were moments I began one way. I mean, I had to keep busy. So before we entered the space to begin installing, I was working downstairs with Desiree from the crew. And um, I built a lot of things which 
in the end just ended up in the bin but because they were too complicated. And it's really a question of just fine-tuning. You know, there there was a general plan, and, and you need the general plan in order to improvise and then adjust and fine-tune. And that's, I think, what allows the installation to feel as though it's been there for a while, you know. Does that provide enough insight or...? Definitely. I think it gives a great insight to your way of working. I thought also of the, I think the chips were like a big part of the oh, installation yeah. at right, some point. Right. I think you can still right. find leftovers, like the stains. Right, right. Initially, there there were, I would say, a good dozen bags of chips that had been bought and crushed into crumbs and with the idea that they would somehow appear because the inside of the bags that the chips come in when flattened out can become a kind of mirror in which you can't see yourself. So everyone becomes like a vampire. Yeah, so there were all these chips, and as the space evolved, it became apparent that actually what the most interesting thing about the chips beyond the, the package, the foil, was the greasy quality. So once we had the grease, we didn't need the, the chips anymore. So the chips went, but the grease stayed. I would like, if it's okay, like to give a little bit of a kind of a contextualized within Francesco's work, the way I understand it, because you did mention Ghost, and I have some ways of describing the work for myself, like ongoing. I'm not talking about this specific piece, but in general. So maybe just to mention two works that I really, I mean, there are so many that I really love, but just to mention also how this works. A work by Francesco from 1997 from Marseille and Paris, this is before people ha had digital cameras, not to mention, you know, cell phones, uh, cell phone cameras. He would walk to people and ask to take a photo with their dog. So this is like a selfie. This is like a Instagram post. This is like all these things. The logic of all these things is already there in the way you pose for the camera. It's out of context, but there is, it immediately creates a kind of a setting that is believable, yeah, this is, and the surreality itself makes him this zelig or something, or maybe, you know, like now we say, you know, we can recognize a pattern here, right? <laughs> so immediately it becomes, what is his deal? So that's one thing. The other from a very elaborate, amazing project called Contact Club uh, from 2004, one of the images, like 26 chapters, and in one of the chapters, there's an image where Francesco is actually dressed as a remote control. So just taking, um, you know, the plastic lids of uh, plastic bottles of soda, and those are the buttons on a felt suit that is basically like um, a black sleeping bag, and lying down inside it in front of a TV, and you're the remote control. And in many ways, again, thinking of the phone and thinking of, you know, where are you with the phone? Like you're inside because part of your subjectivity is the your Instagram account, but you're also outside, you're operating it, but also it's, in, you know, kind of activating you. So all these things are happening already in the self-portrait as remote control from 2004. And then the terms that, that I would use, I mean, and this is also, you know, coming from speaking with Francesco. So when you talk about stripping down, I was thinking of mime, actually, you know, like the minimal gestures that immediately create a space. Or create, so what is a suit when you dress it down, like you were describing? 
It's the flower on the, you know, you can go naked, but just have a flower on your chest and you're already wearing a, that kind of, that's like a Francesco move in my mind. Yes. So just to use more words, parasite, I would say. Sure. And um, so exactly like you're saying, you know, there's one space, secession with, you know, it's iconic space and so on. But then you know what? It's a space where you can just store stuff for people to pick up in, you know, if zip code is 1010 Vienna, you pick it up over here. You know, that's how it works. Yeah. So regarding the, the work from 1997, where I went up to strangers walking their dogs and asked them to take a picture of me with their dogs, it's, I mean, you can see once the selfie exists, you might make, yeah, that connection. But otherwise, I think at the time, it was I was kind of a creep, you know, because that's what interested me was like this idea of it's actually a form of dispossession, right? Or like sliding yourself into somebody's underpants, yeah. you know, to say hello. Like, so, and at the same time, you're the device which serves as trust that renders that transaction possible is the fact that you're lending them your camera, right? So they can, it, it kind of creates a situation if it was like, a stand-up routine, you know, the person you hand the camera to would run away with the camera and you would run away with the dog. And each one thinks they're running away as the winner. And But just to get back to the show, because I, I realized all of a sudden when you were talking about reducing things and the relation, just to get back to slime, there is a, another element which is uh, quite important and in the central space, which is this pile of clothing They're oversized, uh, used secondhand clothes that you can kind of slide in and out of and have your picture taken behind this clear vinyl screen, which is suspended on a frame in the space, directly opposite this grid, which is the back of the gold backdrop from the bookstore. So you can go behind this vinyl screen, and on this vinyl screen you have that watermark, Alamy, which appears when you do a, an image search on internet. You get a lot of pictures with these watermarks, Getty, Alamy, stock photo, shutter, bug, I don't know. But that's exactly, in a way, the logic of, well, the internet is a parasite, right? I mean, you're doing all the work and then they get to capture it and, and now you have to pay them to use it, right? So... You never leave your uh, social media account because what you lose by leaving it is the network that you built that we call it network, but basically you see it as a community of peers. You see it as, you know, people who know who you are, you're, you're engaged in conversations with them. And then if you want to go, you can't take them with you. But it, it creates a kind of a Pavlovian vicious circle because actually, you know, if we take Instagram, you post your photo in anticipation of likes from your so-called community. And then the community, as a member of that so-called community, you respond by putting a heart or whatever. And basically that's like giving a cookie to a child to tell him to kind of shut up. The child is happy. He has his heart, her heart, their heart. And you're happy, you know, you've shown. So all of this becomes very mechanistic. I mean, all of this kind of reminds me of being back in high school in the United States. Uh, which right. Is But I can tell you, like, it could be, I mean, I understand what you're saying. So basically, the like is something like uh, basically saying, don't post anymore. It's okay. No, it's But, like saying, okay, I, I heard you, bro. Yeah. You know, you yeah. just... 
Yeah. No, because I remember, like, for example, I mean, just a funny realization about these forms of communication. I introduced someone to someone else via email, and then he didn't answer. And I told that person, listen, actually, usually answers, but he answers no. So maybe by him not answering, that was a yes. <laughs> yeah. You, so. could, you could go on forever that way. Yeah. They're, they're pacifiers, right? I mean, all of this is kind of to pacify us. Look how long we can wait in airports and lines, you know, because we have ah, our screens, right? right? And, and people uh, still and, talk about the lines know, in the Soviet Union. Yeah, but now that the Soviet Union no longer exists, I mean, a different form <laughs> of waiting has developed. Yeah, speaking also of such, I was just curious to hear a bit more about slime and the Alami curtain, but also there is things like the Zumba workshop, there is the Gorbachev tattoos, the fake tattoos, everyone could dress up as Gorbachev. There is the fake cake event that we had. There's many elements that um, kind of join this whole setup and this whole exhibition. So what is it all to do with slime? I know we're very much yeah. involved with this, but... So so what I can say, I'll be very short because I, I want to Francesco, but just to say with regards to like programming in this way is that the idea was to take all these genres from online culture, which is basically, as I was saying, it's our culture now, there's no other culture, but uh, taking it from there and bring it to the house, to the actual physical space. We kind of made it a, a rule for the exhibition not to have screens, not to have like video works and so on as part of the exhibition because all these digital art exhibitions, you know, you go in, there's a QR, it's all dark, the space. You have, I don't know, Oculus if you want. You have augmented reality through your phone, multiple screens, all those things. And at some point you ask yourself, but why is it here? I mean, I could have seen all this on my phone. There's no sense of place for an actual exhibition. And here we're at the secession, and when Francesco is, you know, deploying this pickup point for your online shopping, already the cardboard that you see is not only part of the history of cardboard in art, which has a history, of course, but it already comes from the internet. So in a way, when we come into the space, of course, we bring with us the internet because we just came from there, and we have our phones, and we have our internet eyes and our internet mouth and internet breath and everything, and we just walk around in the world as these beings that come from the internet. That's why the faker cake, you know, Sophie Stolz's sculptures in cake for the Franz Vest works, and that is also the relation to Zumba and to TikTok dancing. And that is also the relation to the Gorbachev tattoo because like the Alami curtain that you can take a photo that would already have this watermark as if it's appropriated already by this company that would then charge you for a photo that you took. The same is with the, the Gorbachev temporary tattoo of his birthmark. It's like a filter, you know, like if everybody's wearing it and taking a selfie, at some point it looks like it's those, you know, early Instagram filters, you know, that you can look like a, a cat or a dog. So it's something like that. And then, of course, the stain. And for me, it's also the kind of political, historical relation to what happened to us. I mean, the, like Francesco was describing, standing in line with his phone pacifiers, if they had it in the Soviet Union, maybe the Soviet Union wouldn't fall. You know what I mean? Like, it imploded, different story. But I'm just saying that we're not in a different world. It's the same world, and it's an outcome of a world that actually has no alternative, a perception of an alternative. So we're all in this slime, goo, stuck. Yeah. Yeah, pulling out and actually stretching it instead of getting out right. of it. What was 
future has become futures, right? Everything is thought of in terms of monetization. But it was really quite impressive last night when the costume party took place to see all these people with the Gorbachev tattoo. When Joshua threw this idea out a few months ago, (laughs) I was very (laughs) doubtful. I didn't know how this thing would work. But actually, it really gelled with the Alamy screen in the sense that, yeah, you have these kind of stains, you know, or traces, right? Not only are you leaving traces when you shuffle around in virtual space, you know, like a slug. Uh, You don't shuffle, you just kind of slide, right? Like a slimy thing. But you're also being imprinted, like things are sticking to you, right? So, yeah, these tattoos, these uh, watermarks, it was so funny. And uh, which just brings me to mind, this song by that group from the 60s, The Poodles, And their uh, singer, John Lennon, saying, nothing is real. I think that's a great way also to end this. I think we're needed downstairs for the slime workshop as the program continues. And just for the audience also, this will actually continue on slime.secession.at until... The 30th of June, with plenty of program, Liv Schulman actually took care of everything happening in space throughout these three days, also being transferred to this online realm. So please uh, visit us and enjoy the continuous program of Slime. Thank you, Francesco and Joshua, you, for this podcast. Thank you, Christian. Thank and you, this amazing journey to get here. Thank you. Session. Podcast Artists. The production of this podcast was made possible by the kind support of the Dorotheum.